Well, as we said a few minutes ago, we are in the second week of our series called Teach Me to Pray. And the teach me to pray part really is a cue that comes from the disciples who approached Jesus at one point and asked them to teach, uh, asked him to teach them how to pray. They needed sort of a liturgy. They needed a roadmap to follow in order to approach God. And God started that prayer in a very classic way that we remember across history in the church. The last 2,000 years of the church, we've been calling the Lord's Prayer by another name. It's called the Our Father. And if you think about that for a second, what's so profound and different about that is that God is a God who wants to be called Father, which means he considers you and me his what? His child. And that is a relationship that's very different from the sovereign God idea that a lot of the cultures in the past and even a lot of people at present might have about God. Maybe people are tempted to believe that they're not good enough to approach a holy God, even today in these times. I would suggest that that's probably the number one objection. If you dig right down, if you drill right down to the issue why someone might not want to have a relationship with God, it's because perhaps they feel like they're not good enough. Or maybe they feel like he's not even there. And it becomes the idea, not only is God there, not only is he alive and present, but he loves you and cares for you so much that he calls you to call him Father. We talked last week about the idea that Jesus called out to his Father in heaven. And the idea that heaven is really just the kingdom of heaven that is not a kingdom of the earth. Back then, people were asking Jesus if he was an earthly king. They were expecting Jesus to be a military hero, to ride in on a big white horse, flashing a sword, and liberate them from the Romans. So they were expecting Jesus to be part of an earthly kingdom. But as he stood before Pilate and talked about the kingdom of God, he informed Pilate and taught Pilate that his kingdom is not what? Of this world, of this earth. His kingdom is in heaven, which is anything other than this earth, isn't it? So God is all around us. God is there, omnipresent. He is the king of heaven who is accessible to you and me as father, as a father calls out to children. And last week, we kind of wrapped up with the idea of God's name being hallowed or holy. Have you ever thought about what that means? Holy simply means set apart and different. So the name of God is set apart and different from all other names, just like God is holy and set apart. But what we're going to talk about today is the idea that through Jesus, the God who is set apart and holy comes to the kingdoms of earth, comes here and mingles and hangs out with you and me who are subject to the kingdoms of the earth and subject to the kings of the earth. When we get up and go to work, unless we work for ourselves, we report to a boss, don't we? Maybe it's a foreman, maybe it's a principal, maybe it's a, a senior or a partner. Or if we work for ourselves, we report to the government when it comes tax time or when it comes time to follow regulations and rules and things of that nature. We all have someone that we report to, and in fact, 
God wants us to understand that he is our sovereign and our God, but he is also holy and set apart as our father. And as such, he comes to earth, brings himself here in the person of Jesus. So that's where we're headed today is the idea of the kingdom and the will of God coming to the earth and being accessible and welcoming, as Vendetta said earlier, to you and me. Now, if you are a fan of Lord of the Rings, and I'm not going to ask you in a cheesy way to raise your hand if you're a fan of the Lord of the Rings, uh, Angus is just going to go ahead and throw his hand up. I'll join you on that, brother. I love the movies. I've seen them a billion times. Well, maybe a million or two shy of that, right? But what you might recognize here is the kingdom of Rohan. Now, what's the name of the king? If you know the lore of the movies and the stories, what's the name of the king of Rohan? Anybody know? Nobody in here knows the name of the king of Rohan. Okay, I'll just tell you, Angus, any ideas? It's, okay, blanking out. It's Theoden. You remember King Theoden of Rohan? Well, let me ask you a question. If you know anything about the story at all, you also know that at some point, King Theoden's whole kingdom ended up leaving the kingdom of Rohan and going to what's called Helm's Deep. Now, Helm's Deep was a defensive position in the movies where all the orc armies were pursuing them to destroy them. And the, kingdoms of Rohan, the kingdom of Rohan decided to pick up and leave the comfort of their homes and go to Helm's Deep. Why? They were going there because they were going to be under attack and they needed to be able to defend themselves. Well, let me ask you a question. Which kingdom is Theoden's kingdom? Is it Rohan or is it Helm's Deep? What would your answer be? It's both. The fact that Rohan and Helm's Deep had the same king means that wherever the king is, there his kingdom shall be. So whether, uh, whether Theoden's uh, people were in Rohan or in Helm's Deep, as long as Theoden was there and was living, that's where the kingdom was. The kingdom picked up and moved from one place to the next. It didn't stop being a kingdom simply because it left one set of buildings and moved into a different building. But what they all had in common, those people who moved from the kingdom of Rohan to Helm's Deep, was that Theoden was their king no matter where they went. And in fact, it was his kingship that identified them. They were members of the kingdom of Rohan, of which Theoden was king. It's very much the same idea with the kingdom of God. You are members of the kingdom of God through what Jesus did on the cross. What did he do on the cross? When he went to the cross, he sacrificed of himself physically so that you and I could bridge the gap between us and a holy God who cannot abide sin. He can't be around sin. You and I were conceived in sin from the beginning. The Bible says that Jesus gave us the ability to reach out to a holy God, in fact, realizing that God was the one who was reaching out to us. And when we receive that truth and understand that truth and become a follower of Jesus, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit in baptism. 
the Holy Spirit of God, God's actual motivating force, comes into us and claims us as His own children and changes who we are. We become different people. We become members not only of the kingdoms of this world, of the earth, but we also become members of the kingdom of heaven. We are members of two kingdoms at the same time, the ones of earth and the ones of heaven. And the reason is because of Jesus. Now, this is not a new idea. In fact, even some of the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law back in Jesus' time, they would ask Jesus questions about the coming of the kingdom of heaven because they knew that they lived in the kingdom of this world, of earth. And the kingdom that they lived in was one of oppression under the Roman rule. So they were looking for a Messiah to come and free them from that oppression. So when they were reaching out to Jesus and asking him about being the Messiah, here is what he would say. He would reply to them, the coming of God's kingdom is not something you can see. People will say, will not say, here it is or there it is. That's because God's kingdom is what? Among you. Another version of this or translation of the scripture says, within you. What he's doing is he's teaching that wherever the kingdom's people go, that's where the kingdom goes. And since you've been claimed by Christ as members of God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven has already come in you. And so wherever you go, you take the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God with you. You are the kingdom of God, mobile, transient, like vagabonds on earth, members of a heavenly kingdom who take the kingdom with them, whether they're in Rohan or Helm's Deep or anywhere in between. Have you ever thought about yourself that way? And when Jesus says, thy kingdom come, he's talking about the idea of the coming of the kingdom of God in us and through us. And to whom is God bringing his kingdom? That's what we're going to talk about today. Now, I would submit this, and I want to just show you this as a little bit of a teaser. Cassie, I hope you don't mind this picture. Cassie took this picture while we were walking around one of the neighborhoods around Naperville back over the summer doing a prayer walk. Now, do you know what a prayer walk is? Uh, it sound, might sound obvious, but it's not quite that obvious. A prayer walk is where a bunch of us get together or, you know, one or two of us get together, and we walk through a neighborhood, and we pay attention to the houses in the neighborhood by number. And we probably don't know the names of the people who lives in those, live in those houses. But what we can do is we can pray by number and actually ask God to be with the people in house number X. God be with those people and pour your Holy Spirit out on it. Make your presence known. So this is the kind of activity that we were engaging in in warmer times. Now, maybe that's tantalizing to you. I look at that green grass and start to salivate a little bit because it's so cold outside that we're ready for springtime already, and it's only been cold for a few short weeks. But we were the kingdom of God at that time, walking around, sharing the blessings of the kingdom with the neighborhood, and they didn't even know it, except maybe for those one or two people who happened to be out watering their lawns, where we could greet them and say, hi, how are you? 
Can we pray for you? The kingdom of God is also here. When we get together and meet and when we circle up and share the story of what God's doing in our lives and in the lives of others around us. In those moments that we are praying and sharing stories, God is here actively working in us and through us. He's encouraging someone who needs encouragement. When we share stories about what God is doing, we sometimes don't even get or realize that our little story is exactly what the person next to us needed to hear on that day at this time as a method of God's encouragement to them. Did you ever think that maybe whatever happened to you during the week functionally serves as a way to encourage the person that you'll be sitting in debrief with on that Sunday morning the following weekend? There's a part of your life that is alive and active as a member of the kingdom of God, whether you realize it or not. And in fact, here's kind of a vision for what God would be doing with that in that time of prayer and sharing stories. In 1 Timothy 2, the scripture says uh, from Paul, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness because of what Jesus has done, not because of what we have done, right? This is good and pleases God our Savior. God who loves you and saves you because of what Jesus has done, already loves you and has sent his son to die for you. At the same time, when you engage in these behaviors that are associated with prayer, God smiles on that. He loves that. It warms his heart because his kingdom is actually operating in that. His kingdom is mobile, it's on the move. It's doing something. It's headed toward battle. And in fact, it's headed toward victory. Here's where we get that from. God, our Savior, wants all people to be saved. How many people? Not just the Christians. He wants all people to be saved, including all the people who are not Christians and won't have anything to do with God. God's heart wants them to be saved as much as he wants you and me to be saved. He wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. The truth of what? That Jesus died for how many? All of us. Whether we receive that truth or not, it's still true. God wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for how many people? All people. This is God's vision, that he wants all people to be saved. He knows, he recognizes and accepts that not everyone is going to receive that truth and receive the blessing of Jesus and receive the blessedness of membership in his kingdom. That's why he has you and me deployed as his kingdom members. He has us deployed like an army to do battle. And mainly our weapons are the word of God and prayer. The reason we have seven spaces on our agenda, as Vendetta introduced earlier, is so that we can specifically be praying for seven people 
just seven people that we happen to know. If you're hesitant to fill out any names on that card, maybe the reason is because you feel like that's going to be a marketing ploy. That at some point you're going to be asked to reach out to those people and invite them to come to church. That is not the case. Those seven spaces are simply to give you the opportunity to allow God to bring seven names to your mind so that you can write them down and remember them, quite frankly. I would forget half their names by the end of the day because there's so much going on. So I make myself a list so I can remember their seven names, right? And I write those seven names down every week so I can remember to pray for them and then ask God for the opportunity to bless them in some way. Now, what does blessing mean? Blessing does not mean you beat them over the head with a Bible until they submit. Blessing means you serve them. You give to them. You love them. You demonstrate to them what it means to walk and act as a living member of God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, which has come where? To the earth. Do you see that? You are the member of the kingdom of heaven that they need to meet. You are the God with flesh on. You are the Jesus they need to experience as a member of God's kingdom. That's why when Jesus is teaching us, he's teaching us about the idea that we are members of a kingdom bound together with others across 2,000 years who follow their king into battle. Now, I don't know if you've ever known anyone who's addicted to a substance. That substance could be as lethal as a, an injectable drug, or it could be alcohol, or it could be that you're, you, know, you run into an addiction to food, or at least a struggle between which kinds of foods to eat, right? And you find yourself caught in body image arguments with yourself and shaming yourself and you know, maybe you're addicted to the idea that people need to validate you electronically on a daily basis. Maybe you find yourself addicted to something other than God, which is the normal human condition. And the number one weapon the enemy uses to take us out of the kingdom of God. The idea that there is another God a more immediately responsive God, some God that makes us feel better about ourselves, who takes us away from the identity that the living God gives us as members of his kingdom. Maybe that's a temptation for you, or maybe it's a temptation for people you know, or both. What you've heard before is pastors calling out addictions and talking about how bad and wrong and sinful they are. The reason people are tempted to do that is because when we're addicted to something other than our king, it's because that addiction is attempting to replace our king. It is attempting to become our king. There are members of the kingdom of alcoholism. There are members of the kingdom of drug abuse. There are members of the kingdom of food abuse. And there are members of the kingdom of validation abuse through our phones. There are members of the kingdom of pornography. 
they're members of the kingdom of non-truth, falsehood, pretense. We are surrounded by them. And at times we are tempted to be them. That is when God comes back to us again and says, no, you are not a member of that kingdom. You are mine. And I am calling you to arms. I am calling you to be who you are in my kingdom. You are one who does battle with the word of God in hand and who does battle with the other famous weapon available to the member of God's kingdom, and that is prayer. That is the simple prayer of a child who comes to God and says, in a lowly posture, our Father. You're a member of that kingdom called to arms. And when you pray in the words that Jesus taught us, or in your words, in the name of Jesus, you are doing battle on behalf of yourself and those around you that you will name who need to be rescued from the kingdoms of this earth and the power they have over them. I want you to think about it this way. I'm going to share with you just a short clip, and I promise people with small children, it's perfectly okay to watch this with your kids. This is from Lord of the Rings, a battle scene. What I want you to see is yourself riding with King Theoden. Watch this. Stories, you know that was Gandalf on the white horse on the mountain, right? But I love the imagery of that, that God as king shows up at just the right time, right? To rescue his people. Well, what I want you to see in that imagery is prayer from a different point of view. Prayer is not something for the weak and timid. Prayer is something for the bold and, and courageous. The weak and timid can certainly call out to God in prayer and be heard by God for encouragement. But a prayer is a weapon for the courageous and the Holy Spirit. Come on in, guys. Prayer is a way to do battle on behalf of those whom God loves and would bring into his kingdom. You know, that's why when we get to the end of the message, we bring the kids back in at a very strategic time and we close the message with them hearing the last few words so that we can go in and do our prayer time together, so that we can have communion time together and give our gifts at the offering together and close the service together as one faith family. That's why we do this. Here's what I want you to hear as we close the message time today. These words from Revelation that Tim would have read earlier. And he said also, it is finished. That is Jesus. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. To how many who are thirsty? All who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my what? Children. Let me ask you a question. Do you feel victorious in your life right now? 
Do you feel like you're a person who is in victory over those forces that would come against you to try to pull you away from the kingdom of God? Did you know that whether you feel like it or not, you are already victorious? You've been declared as such from the kingdom of heaven, right down here where you are on earth. And you've been reminded that you are a member of that kingdom. Your membership shall not be revoked just because you have a bad day or don't feel like you're a part of it. Jesus is the one who has made that membership eternal. And he gives you the gift of prayer, starting with the simplicity of the Lord's prayer and its pattern. He gives you the gift of prayer to do battle, not only for yourself, but for those you love and for those who need God, which is everyone around us. That is why when we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We know what the will of God is now, don't we? What is his will from 1 Timothy? That all would be what? Saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. That is just as simple as God's will is. Friend, if you've ever asked yourself the question, what is God's will for my life? Here it is. God's will for your life is this, that all would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth, including you. That is God's will for your life. And whether you pick one job over another, pick one township to live in over another, pick one school to go to or another, pick one friendship to have or another, pick one person to be a friend with long-term versus short-term versus another, whatever you choose, you are the kingdom of God in motion. And God's will for your life is that all would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. It's just that simple. Sometimes we try to make it so hard. But we know what our marching orders are. We know that just when the, the dwarf king blew that really loud horn in the movie clip, that was their call to arms. So every time we gather on Sunday morning, we're calling you to arms. We're calling you to pray. And we're teaching you and leading you in how to do that. Which is why our faith is in conversation first. Does this make sense? That's why we do what we do. Because we pray to God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, as we close, I want you to think about something. You are a member of the kingdom of heaven and you're placed here among the kingdoms of the earth to be a part of God's will. And what is God's will? That all would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Maybe you're tempted to ask, well, how does that work out in my life? I don't know. Only you and God know that. Why? Because you're the one living your life. And do you think God will show you how that works out in your life if you trust in him? I know he will. He's been doing it for thousands of years.
He will neither leave you nor forsake you. He will be with you and will lead you into battle. And the two main weapons you have are what? The word of God and prayer. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for giving us such a simple pattern, such a simple way to come to you as Heavenly Father and to know you as King. Thank you for giving us the ability to stop in this fellowship and pass the mic around and even to hear from little kids as young as three how you are changing their lives and working in their lives and how they seek you with all their heart as your children. God, as we enter into this time that you do hear us, we've engaged in battle, God, and without even realizing it, with the word in hand and with prayer in the other, be in our time of prayer now as we follow Jesus' pattern. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done that all would be saved and come to know you and have a knowledge of the truth. Father, we confess before you that sometimes we have failed to see ourselves as who we really are. We are God's people and members of his kingdom equipped for battle. And the battle we wage is already won. It's as if you're on that shining white horse on the hill that we saw in the clip before. You've already called us and you've already won the battle for us. And now you make us a part of your will reaching out to others and sharing the gift of prayer. So teach us and lead us, God, in this as we close. We trust you and we thank you. In your name we pray and together we say, Amen.